When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 1805 Customer Support Tips. That's it. It's just that blunt. It's just that blunt of a thing. Dramatic pause. But no, we're going to be getting into five specific customer support tips, which we'll talk about not only the customer and the work, but also you. A little bit of self-care in there as well. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord service. Further to the friends. And But before we start the episode, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Uh, we have a bunch of people that leave us some wonderful reviews, some great positivity, and we wanted to sort of feature uh, one of those reviews today. With a review of the week, I don't know if it's going to be every week, but a review of the week, uh, just because a lot of these reviews will get buried in their respective podcast apps, and uh, these people take the time to write them, so we're going to sort of do a bit of a shout out. So this review reads, uh, I discovered this podcast very recently, and I feel I need to listen to all previous episodes streamed to catch and take notes about all the topics that they are talking about. They are so straight and straight to the point and clear. Thank you, guys. So thank you for that review uh, that... um, that, uh, I mean, it adds positivity to our lives. It gives us actual feedback more than just, uh, more than just numbers. And, uh, Mike, do you have who wrote that, that, yes. uh, that review there for you? Uh, yes. Uh, it's someone from Spain. Uh, their username is Elsimator. So thank you, Elsimator, for that awesome review. Honestly, these reviews really, whenever we have slumps, whenever we have kind of down days and stuff like that, I will sometimes go in and this might sound egotistical. I will sometimes go in and uh, read some reviews, some positive reviews from people out there. And it really does help kind of continue this on. In fact, like when we were first starting out the podcast, uh, we had a, a few people right away pretty much that were really positive with us and started to create a community around us. And it was, that was what really you know, allowed us to continue doing it. We didn't care that we were only getting like 20, 30 listens, but because we had four or five people that were communicating with us and giving us that positivity to carry on. So thank you everyone that ever reaches out to us that gives us any sort of positive feedback or even any sort of like uh, constructive critical feedback. Any sort of, you know, communication with us is something that I really treasure in this, in this kind of space. And I really appreciate it. So that's why I think another another one of those reasons we wanted to highlight reviews uh, to give back a little bit and to show that, hey, there's some positivity in this world. Yeah, and, and honestly, it, it really just comes back to feedback. Like if you really think about how we communicate these days, short of, say, phone calls, which are a bit more human because you hear the other person. For the most part, it's mo- it's emails and it's tickets and it's work orders, especially in the IT slash the tech sphere. And so actually having some some uh, like feedback and some chatting, as Mike also mentioned, really helps. So yeah, if you want to leave a review and have it potentially uh, shown up or have it potentially shown up, have it potentially featured on the show, um, go ahead and leave a review on uh, whatever podcast service that you are on. But without further ado, let's jump into the five tips. This is a me heavy episode this week. Mike is Mike is taking a break this week, um, and uh, I have five. Just sort of general high-level tips, and these are going to be mostly conversational, high-level tips to deal with customer support. So the first one is prioritization, balancing severity and – or excuse me, balancing severity versus completion. So the kind of general footnote of this is that sometimes you want to complete a task before emailing back for convenience. But sometimes you actually don't want to do that. So for example, let's say that Mike emails me and he says, hey, everything's on fire The web app's not working. Uh, We have a big event today. You know, it's just the worst possible case scenario that it could be. For that type of thing, you're going to try to put douse the flame a bit. And you're probably, you know, probably going to want to email back and say, hey, I'm going to take a look at this. But if Mike were to email me and say, hey, something's wrong with my email signature and I have access to his email via some sort of admin panel. And it says and he he says, hey, like the email. um, image is down and I know exactly what happened. I moved an image file or something and it's going to take five minutes, two minutes, one minute to fix. There's no real reason 
for me to be for me to be saying going in and being like, hey, don't worry, I'm going to take a look. This is the reason, and I'll fix it. There's no real reason to do that. For the most part, in those type of situations, I would just do the actual task and then just say, hey, this is complete. Your image should be there in a couple minutes or whatever the heck it whatever the heck it is. You know, clear your cache or whatever little steps they need to do if they need to do any, and then that's it. Now. This is a balance, though. Like I said, balancing severity versus completion. So obviously, the first scenario that I mentioned is very severe. Everything's on fire. Everyone's freaking out. There's probably more than just the one person that's emailing you freaking out. There's users probably freaking out. Like it's it's just a it's an IT disaster. It's a it's an IT incident. Whatever you want to call it, it's it's just a, it's, a, it's just a nightmare. And then sometimes you just want to get something done. So it really does warrant a balance at the beginning, but also during. So another example would be. That same one with the where everything's on fire, nothing's working, users can't log in, yada, yada, the whole thing doesn't work. So let's say, for example, that particular incident takes three or four days to fix or three or four hours to fix. So the situation isn't just, hey, go in and reboot the server and then everything's fine. The situation is we have to do an investigation, find the problem, fix the problem, test out the fix, yada, yada. It's a whole procedure. So within within the actual scenario, the severity at least in my opinion, will drop. So people may still be emailing you on mass or that one person may be emailing you being like, I need a status update, need a status update, need a status update. To me, because I'm a bit of a firecracker myself, I will start getting super anxious and start super worried. So what I do is, is I have a sort of period in which I check my email. So this whole thing's on fire. I say, hey, I'm going to go take a look and I will get working on it. I can see the problem. I don't need any more feedback from the user in this particular case. I don't need to email them. I know that the site's down and I need to get it back up. So I will go and I will actually start my work and actually start testing different things, seeing if the disk user is just too much, are there too many people logged in, you know, whatever the case is, a whole bunch of different things can happen. Maybe there's like a bug or whatever it is and I will go in and start working. It is not helpful to them the customer. And it's not helpful to you if they keep like emailing you or texting or calling on mass saying, oh my God, I need help, I need help, I need help. And it's the same thing. And it's just because they're freaking out. At the end of the day, I've answered. So the initial contact has happened. Mike tells me there's a fire. I say, hey, I'm going to take a look. And then I will check and answer my email and calls and texts on a fixed interval. Maybe it's every hour. Maybe it's every 15 minutes. Maybe it's every day, depending on what the situation is. And certain communications will change the severity as well. So, for example, maybe you will band-aid the – you find the problem and you band-aid the, the issue. You've, it's a temporary fix. So, you tell them, hey, this is a temporary fix. You know, this this is this is effectively put out the fire, but the, the dam's going to break one day. The band-aid's going to rip. It's not going to work in a couple of days. With that being said, the fire is out. So now they're aware and now you're going to go work on a more permanent fix and you don't really need to be communicating with them too much unless you absolutely need to within those two days. And then you're going to push the, the, the final fix and maybe tell them, hey, we're going to take it down for an hour of maintenance and yada, yada and that type of thing. So there's the severity versus completion and the severity, like I said, changes almost as the situation goes. If you're already working on it, then you're already working on it. There's no reason to take 40 calls from people saying, hey, this is down. Yeah, I'm aware of that. So there comes a point where taking the calls is actually taking time away from you fixing it. Now, I will say that some of you might be like, yeah, but I can't just ignore calls because that's in my contract or I work in an agency or I work in an office or I work in an IT department that doesn't let me do that. That's super unfortunate. But when since we deal with our own clients, we have our own sort of agreements and contracts and stuff like that, we will deal with this the way we see fit. And that's how that's how that works, basically. Yeah, and, and it's kind of in our contracts usually as well. Um, if we have contracts, so it, it, it's very clear. I think I think you nailed a lot of the points here that uh, that deal with this stuff. But I just wanted to kind of put it into a different perspective, maybe uh, into into like me my steps that I take sometimes when some a situation arises. So, and you mentioned this, but I, I just want to clarify it. So, when something comes in of priority, let's say. I always like to answer immediately, Matt said this, answer immediately saying, hey, I see this as, a, as an issue, uh, we'll be working to fix it because that gives a client the expectations that, hey, someone is already seeing this, so we don't have to continually call them. We don't have to continually message them. Someone's doing something about it. Then very quickly, again, like Matt said, a temporary fix is, is what's needed for sure. 
So you're you're constantly you you find something that can patch it, or if you can't do a temporary fix, that's when you do another set of communications saying, "Hey, this is going to be a prolonged downtime because again, that initial one said that you're working on it. The initial communication said that you're working on it. If you can't fix it within a reasonable amount of time, you need to communicate that as well. It's all about setting expectations and the communication with the customer. You don't have to over communicate like every single step that you take, every error that you make is not something your customer needs to know. But the big stuff that will stop them from harassing you or stop them from disturbing you actually working on their issue is what you need to communicate. So again, if you can't find a temp fix, communicate that. When you have a temp fix in place, obviously the communication there should be very positive. Like, hey, we have something in place. We have a, we have a temp fix. Uh, we're now looking to solve it on a more permanent basis so this doesn't happen again. And then as you do that, once you finish it, again, another, another set of communication. So I think you nailed that, Matt. That's exactly what I do. I think that's kind of a standard with our company right now. Um, having said that, <laughs> because of where we're headed right now in our company, we don't have we're trying to get, step away from situations like that. If I'm honest, we're trying to step away from any sort of IT aspect. We're trying to uh, use services that aren't that are fully managed. We're trying to use services like Netlify, like Vercel, that don't require you to worry about downtimes as much uh, because they handle a lot of the build process for you and most of the hosting. You kind of just have to create a GitHub repo and put the right files in there. So there are ways to mitigate the need for this kind of prioritization, but it's always going to, it's, it's always going to arise. Like something will happen, even if you have the best, you know, code, the best platforms, something like this will happen. So it's important to know that don't panic. Obviously you can prioritize, you can balance what's severe and what's not severe and, uh, figure out a way to get, to get to an end goal without it being a completion because, I think it's a really good title for this balancing severity versus completion because uh, if you think about it, like if you're only going to communicate with the customer when you finish something, they're going to be freaking out during the point where something occurs and something is finished every single time. And that's going to be negative for, for both you because even if you finish something in a timely manner, the customer doesn't know what a timely manner is. They don't know what's happening. So they're just in the dark thinking that something like something's on fire. You went to you know Mexico or something and that's gone. You need to communicate clearly with your customers. Don't over-communicate. Just communicate clearly with them. So that's a really, really important thing. The other thing is when you have a list of stuff that's happening or you have like a, a you know, to-do lists with prioritization versus completion on them and how, how do you figure out what to do, it's always important to take a step back and think like, is this really an emergency? We talk a lot about false urgency in this industry because a lot of customers think that their situation is always an emergency. And then they, they pr- pr- propagate this idea that you have to fix it immediately, even though in your contract, you have like a, you know, a 24 hour or 48 hour agreement where you, you don't have to communicate right away. This, if this isn't life critical, if the, you aren't, if the customer isn't losing millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, like livelihood amounts of dollars by the second, most of our clients are not that, by the way. So that's why we can talk about it like that. Then it's usually not a critical emergency. So if you're, for instance, on a vacation or something for a couple of days, you've communicated that with your client and something like this comes in, they try to get you back in there. It's okay to communicate the fact that, hey, I, I received the thing, but it's going to take an X amount of days to fix because I'm away from the computer right now. It's down. That's it. The service agreement's in place. Use your service agreements when you when you need to. Don't go out of your way, and don't you know sacrifice your own mental mental health to always appease the client, especially when you have systems in place that can help you not do that. And that and also that's very important. We actually have uh, the third point coming up here, but we also have a self care uh, point or topic, whatever, a tip, I guess, uh, which is which is managing personal anxiety and anticipation. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. But of course, just because the client's thing is on fire doesn't mean that you're not obviously experiencing panic and anxiety and worry and every other thing that that, that comes along with it. I'm clearly a, I'm clearly a doctor and know all the terms, but um, <laughs> but but yeah, it obviously like it affects you as well. And, and, and we will we will be touching on that. But with on the note, I suppose, of something being on fire, uh, managing angry clients. So, of course, as the sort of 
uh, I don't know, the stereotype or whatever, the people are worried about getting angry phone calls. And if something's down, there's a there's a good chance someone's going to be mad. Someone's going to be freaking out, whatever. And now I've actually found that this this to be true ish, but true earlier. So I think as things have become more technological and more reliant on web services and stuff that people are more um, forgiving of things going down. This isn't the case in all things, but we've gotten angry phone calls. But I would say the last one I've gotten that was angry is probably a year over a year. Probably I would say uh, I've gotten anxiety ones or worried ones, of course, stuff like that um, or panicked ones or whatever. But I've in, in terms of someone kind of getting really angry and threatening to pull contracts and stuff like this, uh, been over a year at least. I can't really think of one in the last year and I don't know. I, I know which one I'm thinking of. I don't know exactly when that was. So about, I don't know, but over a year. So, and, and I what I think is, is that it's it's because things like your home Internet go down. Uh, your web, your favorite website, like Amazon will go down. Sometimes YouTube will go down and it's just a matter of people, not like people finally realizing that, Hey, websites, web apps and stuff like that are almost always 24, seven, 365 services. But just like a car who, who should work or which should work 24, seven, 365, it sometimes doesn't. And I will actually use that analogy with the odd customer. Like I said, it's been a while with the odd customer and saying, Hey, you expect your car to always turn on, but it always, it doesn't always. Do you call up GM or Ford or whoever you bought your car from and start yelling and screaming at them? Maybe if you just bought the car and they sold you a lemon or something, then there might be an angry phone call made or some sort of action taken that way. But you, I, when my car breaks down, I'm not mad at GM. I'm not mad at Chevrolet. I'm just like, well, that really sucks. I'm like a little upset in the moment. I call my mechanic and then it's over. And the same thing really does happen with uh, digital uh, digital systems and online services is that there's there's realistically just a lot a lot of stuff that can go wrong. Uh, doing just a simple migration can integrate multiple skill sets. It can integrate DNS. It can integrate setting up different stacks. It can integrate building hardware if that's needed. It can integrate sourcing that hardware, purchasing. It can, it can also integrate marketing if, if, um, if the technology, for example, is very cutting edge or it defines what the product is, marketing might get involved and that'll impact all the purchasing decisions. It'll impact how the thing is designed. There's also the design aspect. There's also the whole DevOps thing, if you think about it, because you'd have to have the devs, devs actually be able to get in there and the devs aren't always system administrators, so they don't know how the server works. They don't know how the devices work. The person that installed the RAM doesn't understand how <laughs> Apache works, the website server, right? It's, it's a whole, there's, there's, there's probably Apache experts out there. There's going to be MySQL experts out there. It's, it's just a, it's, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot and things can go wrong. And, and there's things that go wrong in between, like the actual network links can break. If you LAN two consoles together, just to make a really simple example, with a LAN cable and the LAN cable comes loose or the LAN cable breaks or the LAN cable is not the right type, there's going to be a problem. There's physically issues in the real world as well. It's not just the code. People can accidentally dig up fiber lines. People can accidentally hit hydro poles, which cause uh, grids to have to go down. People can have, you know, a, a million and one things. There's there's floods, natural disasters. It's It's a whole thing. And so... All these things cause a whole bunch of panic. And to bring it back to the point, it can really make people angry. But you just have to deal with it, which really sucks. Now, I'm not saying to take abuse and if someone's calling you, you know, an idiot every day or something and really ripping into you, it's like, okay, maybe it's time to sort of walk away from that and deal with that in, in, in its own way. I'm not saying no, I'm not saying necessarily to ignore that. But people are going to be angry. And sometimes they're not angry at you. They're just angry at the problem. And so you just have to sort of see it as, okay, this needs to be looked at, this needs to be fixed, and it needs to go into that objectivity. And it kind of needs to lean on that first point I made about the prioritization. It needs to be brought into sort of a, a more normal situation where you're balancing the severity and completion, and the anger needs to be more or less ignored or dealt with as as the situation calls for it. If someone calls me and they're angry, but they don't call me an idiot or anything, and they're not screaming at me, they're just like, obviously disgruntled, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, 
don't be angry or something. That's ridiculous. But if they're coming at me and saying, hey, like you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong. What what I do personally is I just pause the call and I stop talking. And then there's a there's a dead air. And then I'll just say in a in a serious but not super angry voice, I'll just say, So do you want me to deal with that or no? And if the answer is no, then we're done. And it's that, it's that cutthroat. We're done for that day, or we're done for the next call, or I'm not going to fix that thing for them, or whatever it is. And I've never had anyone ever say no to me with that. It's just a way to sort of clear the air, and the silence sort of acknowledges that they're going to going off the rails. Hopefully, they sort of come to, because they're angry. They sort of come to, and then I say, do you want me to do this, yes or no? Like, at the end of the day, do you want me to fix this, or do you want to fire me and then go find another agency? Now, some people may disagree with how that works, but it's always worked for me and everyone has their own way to do it. But that's how I deal with it. I don't know how you do you. How do you deal with stuff like that, Mike? I'm sure you've gotten your own share of people coming in, calling and screaming and freaking out and and, and like at you as well, not just at the the service or at the, the website. They're freaking out in general. Like, how do you deal with it? So it's a tough one. I have had it happen. I actually had it happen recently um, where. A new employee at a contracting company, like I was contracting for a company, a new employee of that company came in and immediately tried to establish some sort of aggressive relationship with me um, and sent a very kind of, I don't want, like it, it was a very aggressive email saying that uh, I need to, you know, I need to react, like behave in a different way and stuff like that. There was a lot of I could see there was a lot of misunderstanding in that email. I could see that something happened. Like, I don't know if it was between us. We only had one conversation before that, but something happened to start that process. Uh, maybe it wasn't just me, but I don't really tolerate that kind of uh, communication. So I immediately will always kind of, I will, I, it's not that I escalate, but I will put everything out in clear terms for people. So I got this negative communication. I immediately, as I got it, uh, contacted the, the man, like the, the owner of the company, because him and I have a good relationship, explained the situation. I didn't say like, I didn't say anything negative really. I just said, Hey, this happened. I just wanted you to, wanted to let you know something like there's something off with this email. I sent them the email. And then I obviously responded CCing the owner as well. So again, making everything transparent. I don't like to do anything hidden in a company setting. I don't think in in a company you should manage, uh, especially as a contractor, you should try to manage relationships one-on-one when it's a hostile relationship. If it's something like a misunderstanding or a disagreement of some sorts, maybe, maybe have that conversation. But this was a clearly hostile and aggressive email. Uh, that I immediately kind of just put out into the open, into the company. I explained that, hey, I don't appreciate this kind of behavior. I don't appreciate this kind of communication. Uh, and we need to immediately meet and clear the air and figure out a way forward. Because again, the issue I have is if you let that go, what's the next thing? Because at that point, I had done nothing wrong like i didn't i didn't uh, bring down any ser- services i didn't um refuse anything you know what i mean like i didn't actually do anything negative to that person in a working relationship something is going to go wrong and imagine how a person like that will react if they weren't aren't checked or if they aren't pushed back if you don't if you don't respond the way i responded a person like that will continue to try to steamroll over you Right. Because they, they see that you're not going to you're not going to push back. So they have a, they have an upper hand there. So it's important to set your boundaries very quickly. And I explained the situation. I explained exactly what I just said to you in, an, in the email that, hey, I don't know how to move forward with this because nothing went wrong in this situation. And the, uh, you're immediately going to aggression. We can't work together if that's going to be your first reaction. Right. It's okay to disagree and it's okay to push back and it's okay to question decisions. Uh, ultimately, especially if, if you're, it's an owner uh, contractor relationship, that's going to happen. There's going to be some disagreements. There's going to be some, some issues. But as soon as aggression is brought into the mix, that's where, that's where I draw that line where I immediately will kind of diffuse the situation in a way that allows me to, uh, move on if I have to. 
like Matt was saying, like, hey, if you don't want to work with me, that's fine. There's no issues there. I'll, I'll be working on something else. And it also allows that person to come back and reevaluate how he approached that situation. And in this case, everything worked out perfectly fine. Uh, there was no aggression after that. There was an apology and we, we cleared the air. Like it, it, we found, I found out that they were having just an issue adapting to the new role and that's fine. If it doesn't happen again, I, I don't have any issues with that because everyone can have a bad day. It's important to also have empathy, right? It's like if if someone blows up on you, a lot of the times it's not because you did something wrong. It's because something went wrong in their day and some a catalyst triggered this blow up. So yes, it sucks. Yes, deal with it in the appropriate manner, but give people a chance sometimes. Like if they if they do it consistently, tear that contract apart, re- remove yourself from that relationship. If it's a one-time thing, try to move past it. Like it's it's going to happen in our industry. Like it's going to happen in any sort of customer service job you're in, or any sort of certain business to business service, or any sort of company setting. You're going to have a situation where someone's going to get angry with you. It's just the reality of it. If every time someone gets angry with you, you go scorched earth and remove yourself from the situation immediately, it's going to come back at you. Like it's just not. You're not going to be able to continue on. If it happens, hopefully it happens very rarely, and you're able to mitigate the issue by like doing a similar situation, like I said, making sure that it's out in the open, making sure that it doesn't happen again. Yes, do that, but don't go scorched earth every single time. So it's it's a difficult and there's a fine line to play, but it's it's something that you need to be prepared for because angry customers, angry bosses, angry, angry clients, it's going to happen. Um, and it's going to like every situation is going to be different too. You know, what's interesting about that is that in in that uh, example scenario that you laid out, I would deal with it differently, but I'll, I'll, there's a compare and contrast that I'll do. So how I would deal with it, and, and I, I want the listeners to hear this because there's obviously different ways to do this. I would be too scared to do what you did, actually, and call it out in the in the company sphere, if you will. I would immediately turn into the bureaucrat where I would say, hey – this is my, like, the, these are my tasks. This is what I've been doing, whatever. I would sort of apologize and be like, I apologize if this doesn't meet your your whatever, but I've been doing this for this long. This is what my contract outlines, or this is what I've been doing the whole time, or whatever the bureaucratic situation calls for. And I would just play the bureaucrat. And then that person would be forever, not maybe forever, but for the foreseeable future of bureaucrated by me. Where if they come at me about, hey, like, why aren't you fixing something on a Saturday and I'm not contracted for Saturday, I would just quote the contract and I would just become like a robot to them. Now, I will say that your way solves the personal relationship part that we all have with colleagues because there is like a bit of an emotional whatever relationship there. Like, obviously, you can be you can like have conversations with colleagues, even if they're not quote unquote friends, right? You can actually just have conversations with them and you can be like, have that human element, if you will. So I turn into a robot. You don't. Now, what's interesting though, is the compare and contrast and I'll let you let you rebuttal is that I equate what you did via the email and stuff, because obviously your situation started in an email to what I do on a phone call. So it's interesting that when I'm faced like as as face to face as I can be digitally, so on a phone or on a Zoom or something like that, when I'm faced with it right in my face, I'll push back immediately like that with the, with the silence and this and that. And I equate what I did like as the verbal equivalent to what you did in email. But when it comes to the situation that you had in email and I if I was presented with it in, in the same context in email, I would not do that. If that makes sense. I, I get it. Um, my issue is, is that as soon as a relate, like as soon as I have issues with the people I'm working with, it's going to extremely deteriorate the product that I'm giving them. I agree. Like, I'm sorry. It's just like, it's going to, it's going to make me apathetic. It's going to make me hate picking up the phone and talking to them. Like even like, yes, I could bureaucrat them. And yes, that's part of the contract. You could do stuff like that. But then I'm not going to want to work on that contract and it's most likely going to lead to me either being canned off of it, like canceled or myself leaving because it's just going to put too much stress on me. So that's why I can't do it that way. No matter how lucrative the contract would be, I just like, I can't, if I'm having a serious issue with someone, like a personal issue with someone in the company, I need to work it out. 
And it's almost the same way I do it with like just friends or family or something like that. Like if, if, if a serious issue arises, I need to have that conversation that sit down with them and, and work it out immediately because otherwise I'm going to go crazy. I'm just going to always think about that issue and it's going to derail my entire day, my entire week, my entire month. And this happened to me before, obviously, because it's, it's difficult to have those confrontational moments. But I've learned that especially in work at this point, I don't have any tolerance for a bad relationship. I can have a neutral relationship where we're not friends, the perfectly fine. We don't need to be friends. As long as we're respectful of each other, that's all that really matters. So that I don't know. I, I get the the contrast and I get that some people might prefer to like disconnect and just be a robot and work. And some people can do that. I agree with you, Matt. But for me, there's just it's just not an option. I prefer your method to be clear as well. It's just for whatever reason I think it's because when I'm faced with it face to face in the verbal confrontation, I have to answer within a minute or something, right? So I can't wait four days on a, on a Zoom call. But so I so I, I push back immediately. But I think what what probably happens is I get in my own head with an email because I can think about it for a day or think about it for a couple hours, and then once I'm getting my head, I'm like, you know what? I'm taking the most um, I'm out way of dealing with this, which is probably I I agree with your way better. I I, I think. Obviously, different contexts, different things, and you know, your way, my way, they aren't going to fit every single situation. But in terms of your example situation, I agree with your way more. It's just I'm too scared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay. next time (laughs) it happens, I'll coach you through it. (laughs) God, we'll do it live on. uh, We'll we'll have to blur the emails or whoever. Like, 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 Mike, I need some help here, bud. Let's let's do a live stream. This is how you this is how you deal with people here. No. Um, the, the other thing, okay, so just to finish off that story, the other thing that really kind of ticked me off is this was this happened at <clears throat> 1 a.m. on a Friday. <laughs> I responded at like they 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 messaged me at one at around 1259 and I responded at like 101. It was an immediate response. So maybe I should have waited a little bit, but I I to be fair, like I looked back at my email the next day. I wasn't drunk or anything like that. So like it, it was thought out and it was very it wasn't aggressive. Like I, I was just clearly stating what I didn't like about the situation. Um, and I, I don't think I overstepped or anything like that. Everything kind of, kind of worked out fine, but it, hindsight, maybe I should have waited for the morning. Maybe I should have waited at least a little bit to think it through and not done it through an immediate response. Like that, that's something that probably you shouldn't do because most, most of the time you're going to have a probably more of a aggressive response in that case. Um, but regardless, I, yeah, I can't I can't if if I didn't do it, I would have probably not been able to sleep. See that that's where and this is like going a little bit off the off the side. That's where my separate phone comes in because I, I'm i the same way with, with not even if it's a, a weird social situation. It's just if, if someone emails me about something even routine, I can't I keep thinking about it and it's going to drive me nuts. And so I, I have to deal with it on the weekend and then it like derails the whole weekend and it's it, it's just hell. So. I have to have that separation on the weekend where I'm like, no, that's it. Like this phone is going into silent. That's it. And it has resulted in people going down on Saturday and being down from Saturday through Monday. And that'll obviously make that angry client situation potentially. But unless I'm specifically on on the on the job and and, and posted there on Saturday and Sunday due to the contract or agreement. Like I have to have that separation. And so I would have gotten that on Monday. So the situation's almost different because at that point, it's like it it's like it doesn't even matter what the situation is, whether a site goes down or any sort of like tumultuous situation, social situation or whatever. Now it's sat for two days. It feels different. I don't know if it's better or worse, but it feels different. But that's just an observation I had. Um, On to the third point here, though. So this one is about the the self-care. So third point, self-care, managing personal anxiety and anticipation. So things that will fly through my brain when things go down is what will happen if this takes another day. Are there going to be clients out of this and that? Is my client going to lose customers? Like what's going to happen here? And why don't other agencies have these issues? Things like that. Self-reflection or 
business self-reflection, I suppose, where I'm always thinking to myself, you know, this site is having so many problems. I can't get this site to work. I can't get this web app to work. This customer always has to call me. I feel like an idiot. You know, why don't other agencies have these issues? I'm sure they do. Why do all, all those type of things. And of course, the first thing that you I compare myself to is, well, YouTube and them are always up. Well, no kidding, because they have a massive team of people. But I never think of it that way. In, in the moment, it's like sort of that, that that panic, that anxiety, that anticipation. That I'm anticipating being fired. I'm anticipating someone really freaking out if it takes another day. I'm anticipating not being able to solve the problem is a big one for me, where I'll be like, man, I don't know how to fix this. Like, that, then what? Now what happens? If I have to hire someone out, that's going to take days and days and days. What if this is a crucial system? Yada, yada. There's a lot of that. And so I'm not good at this, this whole self-care thing, to be blunt. Um, I tend to dig in too much, which is why I have to have the weekend separation. If, if, if something comes in, I dig in and I have to at least deal with it or schedule it or do something with it for the most part. And then I have, and then I don't let it go. So even if I'm exhausted, I'm like, ah, I'll just stay up for an extra two hours and, and, and fix this. And whereas that's not always the case, I do do that. And I realize that that's not good. Sometimes I do need to back off, take a break, take a breather. But when I take my breather, I start panicking more and I start worrying more. And so I, it's like a, it's like a hamster's wheel or a snowball effect here where I'm just like rolling, 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 rolling. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So the only thing that sort of quells it is working on it. But then if I work on it too long, then that, that it, it's a mess. It's a mess. So the reason why I bring this up is that it's important to take breaks. Uh, it's important to walk away sometimes. It's important to talk to someone else, like specifically, usually another professional, whether it's someone on your team or whatever, to try to get help, try to get reassurance that you're doing something that's correct. Try to, um, you know, do research sometimes. Sometimes you just keep trying something, trying something, trying something. It's not working. So maybe you need to take a step back, do an hour of research and, and come back with it, come back to it. Maybe you do need to sleep on it. Uh, you need to sort of weigh your options of, hey, if I do delay this by a day, like what's really going to happen? Is it, is, is it really going to be that bad? That type of thing. That's really, that's really what needs to happen. I would say personally, um, I don't do that stuff which is bad. I don't do it all the time. Obviously, I'm not going to stay up for five days or something, but I definitely worry and panic and freak out about everything. I'm a bit of a firecracker in that way. So, I mean, I'm, I should probably try to get better at this, but that's why I, I'm just saying this because as full disclosure, I don't have the greatest advice for this particular tip. Maybe Mike does. Um, I know that this tip is important, which is why I put it in this list of five, but I'm just not good at it and I don't know what I'm doing really with it. Because I'm pretty hard on myself with stuff like that. Do you – what do you do, Mike? So in, in this sort of self-care point, like what do you do to sort of deal with the you know the, the anxiety and the anticipation and, and all those type of thoughts, intrusive thoughts and stuff like that? So I think unfortunately for our audience, I think we're both in a spot where we're kind of getting hit by this. So I don't have too much advice past yours, honestly. My, the thing that works for me that works best is – when I can actually just get work done. But my problem is, is that I have, sometimes I have so much on my plate that I have trouble prioritizing and I spend more time panicking about what I could do rather than just sitting down and doing it. I know for a fact that if I sit down and work on something and complete a feature or complete a task, even if it doesn't finish my to-do list, that is going to make me feel better than sitting there and trying to prioritize a to-do list or sitting there and procrastinating because I can't figure out which task to work on first. So I know that I know what to do, which is literally just work and code because that makes me feel better. But currently, like I still have troubles doing that, even though I know what to do. And I think I'm a, I think that'll resonate with a lot of people. Like a lot of people that I've talked to have similar issues. Um, and it looks like Matt you have those kinds of issues sometimes as well. But I think we're both in a state where we don't have a solution really for you, but we're both in that process of figuring out how to do self-care. Another thing is like Matt and I talked about this right before the podcast, we need to take more time off. Um, like for the past few months, I've had multiple weekends where I've worked full time, including the weeks. And I, uh, it's just catching up to me now. So that it, I'm, I'm starting to have burnout set in and I can feel it. And I'm glad that I can catch it 
So I'm starting the process of figuring out where I can take a week off. And so that week off will obviously impact me in some ways negatively in, in a way that it might, you know, I'm, I might not be able to finish a contract or I might not um, finish a task or I might not uh, get a contract that we're working to get or something like that. It might have a negative impact for on me, but at this point, it's going to be a necessity for me to be able to like prioritize my life, prioritize everything down and actually have that energy to do the other things that wouldn't have fallen through the cracks. Whereas if I just continue going on the path that I'm going now, 100%, I am going to burn out and I'm going to have to take months off. So regardless, I know for a fact in the next probably two to three, maybe maybe next month, I'm going to take a week off for myself and, uh, it's just going to it, – it's going to have a negative impact and I'm okay with that. Um, but it's something that I need to do to be able to get back to a more productive workflow and to actually do the step that Matt's talking about, which is self-care and and uh, move forward instead of just talking about it and giving, you know, not not providing insight on the topic. You, you mentioned that we talked about it before the show and, and one of the, the standout topics we talked about was I said – Mike, are you at the point in which you bring your laptop to bed? And your response was, I've had to do it a couple of times this week where I work super late on something. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, do you not want to get out of bed in the morning, but you know you need to do stuff. So you bring your laptop into your bed. Because So I was asking a completely separate question. Yeah, they're both bad. But they're both bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> so... The situation over here is not good. Yeah, send help, please. <laughs> the situation over here is real bad. I'll be like, sometimes I just won't get out of bed till like four four in the afternoon. But I'm like, I'm awake. I'm doing stuff, but I just won't get out of bed because I'll just be working on my laptop or my tablet or whatever. And uh, yeah, so, um, self care. <laughs> I feel bad laughing about it, but like you got to laugh sometimes. <laughs> you got to laugh at ourselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So self-care is important and we don't, we don't do it that good. So <laughs> um, send help. Anyway, number four here, uh, time suck. So we used to call this uh, when I worked in full-time IT, we used to call uh, this dealing with handholders. So what that is, is it's basically people that need constant assistance for the most simple thing, even when things aren't broken. So if someone needs constant assistance and it's part of your job, of course, go and fix it, go and help them, of course, like whatever your job uh, entails. But there are some people where, for example, your job is to keep the email server up. But your job is not to ensure that they know what an email address is, that what it, what email does sends electronic mail and you're not there to teach them what a password is, how to go to a web page to log in or go to a certain app like Outlook, the desktop client to log in. That isn't part of your job. And so there are people that will constantly call you for stuff. Uh, is there, there's even, I mean, there's, there's outrageous things that happen in IT all the time, but there's been, there, there's even people that just don't do stuff on the daily. Like, Hey, uh, I came in and my computer's off. It's like, well, have you tried turning it on? Because they always leave it on, but maybe there was a power outage and the computer's off. So now they need to turn it on. So then you walk over, press turn on, and you walk away. Stuff like that. So these people, we like I said, we used to call them handholders. And they're the biggest example of what I call a, a time suck, which is, I mean, it's a pretty common term, but a time suck, which is you didn't anticipate this, right? So in the email example, you anticipated working on making this email server work and you're maintaining it and you're doing your thing and you're an email server expert, whatever, and you know what you're doing and you're, you're doing the maintenance and you're, you're helping people sign up for new accounts and you're spinning up new domains as needed on there and all that great stuff. But then you anticipate rather that that takes up say 90% of your time and maybe 10% for meetings or something, but 80% of your time ends up getting taken up by this this person here that refuses to sign up, sign in every morning. And so you have to go down there and show them how to sign in and stuff like this. And this is where there's a divide, I would say. And the divide is that there's employee versus freelancer versus individual. So 
What I mean by that is an employee is if you're in an IT department at some sort of company, you might be required to just deal with the handholders. You can't brush them off. You have to answer every ticket. That's the policy. That's the way they do it. Uh, and then, then that's it. You might be at a place where you offer uh, – you might be like actually at an IT agency where they do the same thing. The customer is always right, whatever, and they will – they will make you, hey, you have to keep going back to this person's house every single day and restart their router. And maybe that'll get changed at some point, but like their policy is you have to do that. And so you can't just brush them off, whatever. Then you're, there's your freelancer and your individual. So pretty well the same type of thing. And what I mean by that is, is either you're in control of your little company. So a little team like Mike and I are, or you're just by yourself and you're freelancing by yourself. But basically you're in control of the general situation. And so you can do things like, if you don't know how to sign up for email, here's a guide and that's it. And if they say, well, I don't know how to do that, maybe you can help them to be nice, but you have to kind of know where the divide is and you have to know where their, where the line is. So where their job ends and your job begins and where their job begins and your job ends. You need to know what the line is so that you know, hey, this person is just refusing to sign up to email. They know how to do it or they're just not listening to my advice. They're just being, they're basically not performing their job. They're taking a section of their job and they're pushing it onto me and claiming that that I'm blocking them when in, in reality, a part of their job is knowing how to use a basic login form with a username and a password. And if they can't handle it, then they can't handle it. And I've had we've had clients where they just say, I can't sign an email. I don't know what to do. But they need the email, but they just don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, here's an email and password. And what I do in, in there is I, I'll help. I'm nice. I actually do probably too much support. But there is a point in which I go, you need to learn how to sign into like an email account. Like this is how I would do it. Here's some screenshots of me doing it. I'll even make a little guide and I'll say, this is how you sign in. But I'm not going to constantly deal with phone calls. I'm not going to constantly come to your aid. I'm not going to share my screen and all this to, to, to have you sign in. This is a part of your job. It'd be, again, to bring it into the car analogy, it'd be like calling up GM every time being like, my door is closed. I need to enter my car. It's it's literally that. It's literally that simple. It's that. It's that simple. And so that that that's sort of one of the tips is that you need to sort of uh, mitigate the time suck. You need to sort of do it gracefully if you can. Again, some people can't, but you have to acknowledge that there are time sucks and they're part of they're a part of customer support, and you really should find a way to mitigate them, uh, eliminate them, or at the very least bring it up to your boss if you're stuck and being like, "Hey, this person has me go over to their house every single day, and, and, and you know it's a five dollar service call or something, and we need to raise the service call on this person because like I'm going over there and restarting the router. I've showed them a million times they just won't do it. Like, what do we do? And so, time suck. You have to really, really pay attention to it. Handholders are one of the biggest time sucks that I can think of, especially in customer support, and that's my piece. Yeah. I think you nailed it on, on all the topics, honestly. Um, it sucks because what you do is way over, is way over what most people do. Like you, you do make guides. I've seen them before. I've seen you make them before. And even with those guides, I think a significant portion of people will still email you about the same thing. Not only that, I've seen you email people, the very, very descriptive ways on how to do something. And, uh, you know, the next email, they'll obviously not read the entire email, read like two or three or three lines and ask a question that was easily answered if they were just reading an email. Oh, yeah. Those kinds of things are what frustrates me. I don't get frustrated with someone not knowing how to do something, even if it's basic, right? It's the fact that they're unwilling to learn how to do it. They're relying on you to do it every time, even though you've given them all the resources available to be able to do it properly themselves. As web developers, as freelancers, it is not our job to teach you how to use a computer. It's just the reality of it. Do we do it on a, sometimes? Yes, because that's part of being a good customer service. But there is a line that you have to draw where multiple times i mean we had a we have a client that multiple times has asked us to drive over to their business and add an email account to their iphone like is that where's the line there right like i've done it before i've actually done that that was a stupid move on my part i've done it um yes there was some monetary compensation for that uh sometimes sometimes there isn't but it's just like 
I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's not something I want to do. And that's not, that's not part of my responsibility. So you do have to draw a line sometimes. And I have started to do that. Um, I think another big thing that we need to do in these kinds of situations, Matt, uh, is just set a dollar rate for any sort of this, like any sort of support. Oh, like we've this. done we've done this, and it's chased people away. Where I'll say, "Hey, exactly. you know, you have a problem with your site, yada yada." Uh, the hourly rate's this, and they'll be like, "Well, you know, I, I should be exactly. all right." And that's it. That was yeah. that's the end of the conversation. So that's a really good strategy if you want to avoid doing some of these things. Is just set a fair rate that would make you happy to do it, or at least toler tolerate doing it, and would most likely push away the fact that they're they're going to ask you to do it. So. It's a shitty situation again. Part it's part of customer support. Sometimes, sometimes it's okay. Like especially if a client doesn't contact you very often, and then they need a little help here and there, and it's not the same thing over and over again. I think one hundred percent you should do it. You should you should give clients the benefit of the doubt that they are going to learn from what you're telling them. As soon as it becomes a situation where they're taking advantage of you, that's when you put in all the stops. I really like that you brought up that you shouldn't or that you don't get mad at people for not knowing the basics. That's 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 really crucial. And that's probably why I make my guides, because I don't get mad at people if they don't know the basics. But I do get mad at them, like you said, if they refuse to learn anything. They don't read the guides. They don't they don't care about that. They just think, well, yeah, I might as well just call you and you can do it. And like the iPhone example and this and that. It's sort of like, man. Like, I can't drive, you know, two, three cities over to you. And luckily, you're even that close to to, to help, you know. Uh, and we've had several clients do stuff like that where I, I don't know how to sign into email on my uh, on my MacBook. But you work as a remote employee and you have for years, right? Yes. It's sort of like at that point, where's the line in your learning? Like, I understand that you yourself, meaning that the customer in this case, isn't an employee, isn't an, an IT aficionado. They're not employed as a, as a technical expert in any way. But there comes a point where you have to know how to use the tools of the trade. A contractor, a general contractor, is not a hammer expert. They do a bunch of different things, flooring, yada, yada, whatever. They subcontract and this and that. And they understand management, general tools stuff, doing other things, electrics and whatever. A whole like they understand a whole bunch of stuff, but they have to understand a whole bunch of stuff and know where the holes are and know where to take this take the um take the subcontractors in and like actually say like hey I don't know plumbing better get a plumber in here fair enough but they're not an expert on that like one like they're not just a hammer expert so but they know enough about it so it's like if you're having trouble with your email sure but if email is all you do because there's a lot of jobs out there where you just email back and forth and do a bunch of stuff. You should probably learn to sign in and you should probably learn the basics of if you, if it doesn't sign in, what do I do? Reset my password. Like, what do I do? And actually there's been, we've had, we've had clients where I will tell them, Hey, you're going to open up to the, to the public. This is a membership site or whatever. And I tell them, you're going to get a bunch of tickets about signing in and they'll say, Hey, no, no, we won't. And I said, no, you will. Period. Any any step, especially a step that needs to be done every single time, the users are going to get confused. They're not going to know what to do and they're going to try to the message you. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a handholder, but it does mean that that's a time suck that, you did, that they didn't anticipate. And most clients, when I tell them that, don't believe me. And I tell them there are dedicated teams in IT places that will literally deal with accounts 24-7. Like, like it happens. Not every place, but it happens. It's because... The statistical likelihood of them running into a problem starts at the login because they have to log in. So it's you have to look out for time sucks. You have to look out how to mitigate them. And, you know, you can do you can go as far as you need to. Like I said, like I build guides for people and try to help them. Don't get mad if they don't know the basics. But there comes a point where it's like, hey, man, like there's a line here. This is your job. This is my job. Like we have to cut like, like what's going on here? And I would actually, this is one that I would love to hear from the community, uh, you know, hit, hit Mike up on Twitter or whatever, of how people deal with handholders and, and time sucks like this. How do you deal with that? Do you put that into your agreement? Do you, because we don't do that. So like, how do you, how do you deal with it? I would like to know. All right. Last point here. 
when to walk away from support. So an example of this kind of goes in, 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 in tandem with the handholders. Something is configured a certain way and the client just keeps calling you over and over to fix it. But it cannot be the way they want. It can't be the way they want. So, for example, they're complaining about a convenience, but the system is a certain way for a reason, a good reason. So, something like security. So, an example would be this two-factor authentication system is too complex, but the uh, the the parameters of the project require a two-factor authentication system. You're you're out of luck. Like that's it, and and, and it's just that blunt. And so you kind of have to walk away from stuff like that. Um, you can, you know, talk them through it and explain why. You don't have to be completely robotic. But you, it comes to a point where if they keep opening up a work order every day, like we have, uh, like a, a good example would be uh, a company uses Outlook, the, the desktop client. And let's just say that the, the send button is on the top right. And the person doesn't like that. The user doesn't like that. They want it. They want it on the top left. Well, good luck. If it's not in the settings menu, like what am I going to do? Rebuild it? Like I just rebuild Outlook, Outlook client. So there comes a point where you just walk away. And this sounds so obvious and so stupid and you got to be like, man, people don't do this. People do this. People do this. They want things a certain way. We had an incident where, uh, well, it wasn't us. One of our, so we went away on co-op for, for a semester and then we came back. And one of the stories that one of our colleagues uh, in, in class told us was he was in IT at a particular building. And um, there was a there was an incident where he repeatedly received a ticket to raise the upload limit on the email server. But the protocol they were using, I don't have the insider information, of course, because I wasn't there. But the, the protocol, the, the network protocol that they were using did not allow it to go above 20 megabytes or something like that. Again, I don't know why, whatever, yada, yada. But 20 megabytes was like, it's hard locked. It's it's like using Ethernet. Like when if you want a LAN connection, use Ethernet. Like Like it's just like, it's a thing that exists. There's wheels on cars. Like it's a new world. Like it. Okay, They're, like it's limited to 20 and there's n- data stores like network drives where if you need to do 100 gig, 200 gig, anything above t- 20 megabytes, you put it in the data store, you share the link out and you give it to another employee. This person every week or every day kept asking over and over again, starting a ticket. I want this raised. I want this raised to 100 meg or whatever. I want this raised. I want this raised. I want this raised. Can't be done. Cannot be done. It'd be like saying I want a computer with no RAM. How? How would you like me to do that? You want me to remake the architecture? Like, it's out of control. And again, this sounds ridiculous. And some of these aren't ridiculous. Sometimes it's like, hey, I don't like the two-factor authentication system. What can we do? You explain it, and then it's over. And then that's it, right? But when somebody keeps coming at you with that friggin' protocol question every day or every week, what are you talking about? You can't have, like, the protocol says. It'd be like... it. Like it's out of control and people will ask stuff like this. It comes from a place of not understanding 99% of the time. They don't understand computer systems. They're like in marketing or they're in, they're, they're a scientist or like any other field that isn't in the technical side or they're not an insider in IT and say so they don't know the, the, the rules or the laws or the, the protocols that are in place. They don't know that stuff. And so, they're, you know, they might get mad, they might do this and that, but there is a point where you need to walk away from support where you just say, man, like if you open another ticket like this, like I'm going to have to close it. I'm going to have to close it and say this is not possible and I'll keep doing that. And this also kind of brings in that whole thing, like I said before, where you need to sort of have the comparison of the employee versus the you know the freelancing company versus the individual type of thing, where sometimes you're just stuck in that loop of you maybe you can't walk away. And so you so the way to mitigate it is you walk away the most that you can according to what your boss says you can do um, or whatever your protocol says that you can do. But as a freelancer, you can certainly say, man, I can't help you with stuff like this. Like you're going to have to find a family member or something or you're going to have to find someone to help you with this. Like I, I'm sorry, but like like if, if they don't have internet connection, what am I supposed to do? Re- really, if, if someone has no idea what they're doing, this is like a real scenario that could happen. And this could happen to you. It could happen to you too. No. Um, but a bit of 40s radio voice, I guess, today. But <laughs> um, imagine being in a situation where someone's like a baker. I'm just making this up on the spot. Someone's like a baker. They've been a baker for 40 years and whatever. Everything's great. And then the pandemic hits. And so people can't enter their store or whatever. Okay. So they need to go online. They have no, they have no idea what the internet is, hardly, let's say. It's possible. They've heard of it, of course, 
but maybe they have a phone. They don't even realize they're using data on there and like they don't have home internet or they just have it set up because their like grandkids use it or the, their wife uses it or something. And they have no idea. That person, that baker is going to call with like the most ridiculous questions. And so again, that this, the two points are melding here, the time suck and the walk away from support. Help them through the basics, whatever, as far as your contract allows or as far as you want to go. I would help them with guides and everything else personally. I would help them with all that stuff, guides and stuff. This is how you do this. This is how you do that, whatever. But if they come to me and say, well, I want to go on your website, but I don't want to use uh, the internet. It's over. Like, how do I do that? I'm going to go to your house and install a server like it's out of control. Like, I'm not going to do that, right? And if that ticket keeps coming up, up and up, you got to walk away. And I'm sure there's a... There's like even better examples than what I'm coming up with, but it's, it's totally possible because think about it in, in reverse. If I show up to the bakery and I'm going to help him bake stuff, like bake some bread, I don't know what I'm doing. Like if he goes in and says, oh, turn that up to 350, this, this, and that, and he like has it all down. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. I barely know how to cook in real life. And even if I did, I still wouldn't know what's going on in this commercial slash industrial level environment. No idea. There's no, there's no chance. And so I'm going to ask real dumb questions. And so that's why I will be sort of compassionate at first, but I will try to mitigate those handholders and I will know, or I will try to know, and I will walk away when it, when things go off the rails because they're going to, they will sometimes go off the rails and you just have to walk away. I I think one thing I'm going to add to this um, is there is a way to get out of this. And I've done this and it's kind of a cheeky way. Uh, it's to essentially provide a cost estimate because all the stuff that you just talked about, Matt, uh, they are quote unquote difficult tasks or impo- like sometimes impossible or not even impossible. They're like illogical tasks, like having a website without the internet. But it, in terms <laughs> of reality, it is kind of possible. Like you said, put a server in their house. Right. Just give a quick quote. So the other example of the 10 or 20 megabit limit on internet, there is a way around it. Change the entire infrastructure system. So a few million dollars, maybe more, 10 million, 20 million dollars. Be like, okay, this is this is the solution to the problem. Find the funding. I mean, it's I really, really like, like that. I really like that actually. Yeah, because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like you can tell them that it's not possible, it's not possible, but they just don't understand because they think that everything's possible because – in, in, a, in a way, most things are possible. There are things that aren't. Like there are certain like if, if you want a, a pen to teleport from here to Beijing, it's just not going to happen. Like there is no amount of money that's going <laughs> to that's going to make it happen. But in terms of like technological things, I've, I've used this recently. This is why I bring it up. Uh, it's a time and money issue almost every single time. So instead of saying like, hey, we can't do that, just be like, hey, this is the problem. The problem is, is that it's going to take this amount of months and this amount of dollars to be able to actually get somewhere close to this. And it's also going to take you testing it through this amount of time. So either if it's an internal team, find the funding. Sure. If you want to redo the entire IT infrastructure and you want to hire on another 100 people, that's great. That's fine. But if, if you lay it out in terms like that, it, it might sound cheeky and it might sound actually a little bit of like a dick move. But I think it's it does solve the problem 99% of the time because they start realizing that, hey, this is not – it's not that it's impossible. It's just no one's going to do this. Like no one's going to take this project on. And worst case scenario is they say yes and your improbable money ask all of a sudden becomes something that you can rely on as steady income. Who knows? So anyway, I, I've never had that happen personally, like you, 99% of the time or actually 100% of the time that I've given a monetary value to something that um, to something that I, I don't think they're going to do. It's resolved in me just continuing with the work that I was doing and them understanding that, hey, okay, I'm not going to ask for this. Sometimes six months down the line, they'll ask again and I'll resend that email or something, but that's that's kind of how I handle it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it works. You know, it, it reminds me of a story I was told uh, from a friend and I won't like out the industry or the, or the company or anything, but I was told, industry, told by a friend who's in a completely different industry, not in tech. And he was saying that this particular company was doing very, very well. So the, the, this, this actually compares exactly to what you, you kind of said, Mike. So this company was doing very, very well that he was working at and they were presented with a job that was very, very difficult. And how they 
dealt with it was they basically just tried to price the person out. They just said, hey, we, you know, this is the price. It's really, really expensive. You know, I, I wouldn't go along with this. And then, the per- and then the person just went with it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. That's, that's you know, whatever, 12K or whatever. I don't know what it was, but that, that, that's all right. And they went with it. And it's like, well, I guess we're doing this now, which kind of sucks. <laughs> but I mean, I guess like, I guess, okay. And they went and did it. Because it's like, that's how much it would be because it 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 was an inconvenient job and they had enough jobs on the on the table and they were basically charging more or less for obviously the labor and blah, 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 and all the rest of the stuff, the service itself. But they also were charging for the fact that they were busy and they had to make time. So it's almost like a convenience fee. And some people yep. might not like that, but I mean, it sounded like I wasn't there, but it sounded like they were up front with it and they said exactly – Hey, you know, this is pretty expensive. I don't know if I would do this. Maybe find another opinion type of thing. Kind of like a big hint, like, don't don't come to me. <laughs> and then the person just paid a whole bunch of money. And it was like, well, I guess here we go. So sometimes it does work out. Yep, exactly. But uh, that that's the end of our that's the end of our five tips. Uh, I know that they a lot of them were, uh, you know, not controversial, but like other people would have different opinions, and I I, I welcome that. I want to hear different opinions. Even Mike and I had different opinions about stuff. Of course, uh, this type of stuff is 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 not set in stone. It is not uh, a one size fits all. There are different contexts, different situations, and different ways to do these different handle these different situations and and do things like that, especially self-care. Cause as we know, that's not good for us. So, <laughs> or we don't know anything about that. I should say, yep. basically we understand that it's important. We just don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> as I walk up, as I walk up to my bed and bring my laptop. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, if you have any tips, tricks, or additions to this, or you want more tips, or you want to, to, to tell us, hey, you're doing this completely wrong, this is how I deal with it, and it always works, please let us know. Twitter, you can always hit Mike up there. He's really active on there. Uh, and you know, let us know what is going on and what your opinion is of that. But it is time to end. So remember that we are on Patreon if you really like episodes like this, because you should, and you really like my 40s radio voice. I do love doing that for some reason. And I also love the 40s radio voice. I don't know what it is. I should do a whole episode in the 40s radio voice. You've got a good one, though. You could you could totally do it. And we were discussing this. We were wondering whether the 40s radio voice was done because it was so staticky. Like, I'm sure this is a known thing. I don't know much about radio myself. But it's sort of like that type of voice really comes through. Like it, you know what I mean? Like it's a very, it like rises above the static. The static's sort of low and whatever. And it's the forties. So it's like, you know, radios are newish, I think. Don't ask me about history. Anyway, remember we're on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, the things. Uh, check out the tiers and give that a go. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dlford.io. Pip Hash National 9 Block Media on 9blockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from Yes web via yesweb.se and jeff from twitter via at the jeff McHale. feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform that you are listening to this on and we are signing off you've been listening to html all the things podcast web development web design and small business we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings and we hope you had some fun we'll be back soon but in the meantime hit us up on social media on facebook instagram and patreon at html all the things and on twitter at html everything until next time this is html all the things signing off.